Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Let us pray. God of grace and God of judgment, meet us in this holy space. Open our hearts where there is anxiety, God, give us hope. Where there is hatred, help us to love. Where there is despair, God, fill us with joy. And where there are troubles and darkness, God, grant us your peace. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. I now invite you to rise in body or spirit as we sing our first song. Still, bro. 
Good morning. You ever been in a situation or in a space or in a place where if you acknowledge that maybe you didn't do everything perfectly or you made a mistake that your words were used against you? You ever been in a place or familiar with folks who if you acknowledge you did something wrong or you made a misstep that somehow or another your words become ammunition against you at a later point in time, people can't acknowledge the truth of your life? Those spaces do exist in the world, but I thank God that this is not one of those spaces. And we don't serve that God. We serve a God of love, of mercy, of grace, and of peace. We serve a God through the blood of Jesus that gave us a path to forgiveness and redemption. And our prayer of admission that you find in your program right now is not about shame, blame, or guilt. It's about acknowledging the goodness and greatness of God and we are his children. So let us say the prayer of admission together right now, followed by a moment of silence. Jesus, we wait for you. We make ourselves ready for you. Come to us, God in the flesh, love in the flesh. Meet us as we are and transform us into who you designed us to be. Forgive us and all of creation for how we have fallen away from you. Family, be assured and rest assured, we are forgiven. And as God has forgiven us, let us forgive each other and let us even forgive ourselves. Amen. It's now time for the sacrament of baptism. I invite the Wilson family and the Renaud family to come forward. Friends, this morning, Hunter and Julianne present their son, Hunter Wilson Jr. And Lauren and Andrew present their son, Walker Renaud, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Today, we proclaim boldly that Hunter Jr. and Walker are recipients of the covenant of grace. In baptism, God claims them as God's own, welcoming them into this family of faith and as citizens in the kingdom of heaven. We are also encouraged because in no stage of life are we ever truly separated from Christ in the bonds we have with one another. Walker and Hunter Jr., may you always remember that you are not alone. Your parents, 
your church family, and Christ are with you always. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as he delivered to his disciples after his resurrection. He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, which is the body of Christ. And joined in Christ's ministry of love, of peace and justice, let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament. Hunter and Julianne, Lauren and Andrew, having heard these words, I ask you the following questions. Do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, say, I do. And relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and to share that faith with your child? If so, say, I do. Do you, members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide, support, and nurture Hunter and Walker? Through your words and your actions, with love and prayer, will you encourage them to know and follow Christ and empower them to be faithful members of the church? If so, say, we do. Let us pray. God, we know that this life is not always easy. To follow your son, to follow Jesus Christ, is to die alongside him. But to follow Jesus Christ is also to be resurrected with him. So when the world seems hard to Walker and Hunter, when the church, their parents, their friends and family fall short, we give thanks that you, O oh Lord, do not. We give thanks that your presence will never leave them, nor will it leave us. And we give you thanks for this water of baptism. Let it seal your children in your blessing and welcome them into your kingdom of undeserved love, radical grace, and abundant life. Amen. You may notice in the program that Roscoe Carton was supposed to be baptized today too. We did not forget about Roscoe. Um, his family's sick, so we'll get him baptized on another day. What is the Christian name of your child? Hunter Taylor Wilson Jr., child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father. Ooh, oh, <laughs> getting Pentecostal over here, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May you come to know everything Christ has commanded you and know that he loves you and is with you to the end of the age. Amen. You think I'd be, have gotten better at holding babies, but <laughs> not. Everything's all right with dad again. Yeah. <laughs> what is the Christian name of this child? Walker Thomas Renault. Hey, Walker. Hey, buddy. Walker Thomas, I baptize you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May, God, may you come to know everything Christ has commanded, and may you know that Christ loves you, and that he is with you until the very end. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving, gracious, holy God, we gratefully and thankfully welcome Walker and Hunter into the communion of saints. 
May they have the time, space, and opportunity to be children. Enjoy childhood and savor every moment of growing up, especially in a world where we don't give them enough time to grow up. Give their parents, family, church, and friends the courage, capacity, and character to provide the love, direction, and support to help them navigate this world. And as they navigate this world, may they choose the path that leads to the narrow gate, the one that leads to life, the one that only a few find. We pray for the companionship, comfort, and direction of the Holy Spirit throughout their journey. Fill them with the passion for serving you and others through the unique gifts, insights, and talents that you've placed in them. We pray that they are both humble and confident in their interactions, inclusive and considerate in their decisions, compassionate and courageous in their stance. And though we know there's no guarantee that life will be easy and without challenges, when those challenges arise, may they call on your holy name, lean on your understanding, and hold on to your unchanging hand. May their good days outweigh their bad days, their smiles consume the frowns, and joy, unspeakable joy, always find a place in their heart. With glory, honor, praise, and humility, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, amen. 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 Hunter and Walker have been received into the Holy Catholic Church through baptism. God has made them members of the household of God to share with us in the priesthood of all believers. I encourage you after this, during our time of holy interruption, to greet and welcome the newly baptized as children of God and our newest brothers in Christ. Alleluia. And all the church said, amen. Amen. I just got a few quick announcements. Uh, first, tomorrow, uh, Monday, we are doing, Downtown Church is volunteering with the Salvation Army Christmas Warehouse. Uh, so in the morning and the afternoon over at the fairgrounds, we'll be uh, packing toys and stuff to make uh, people in Columbia's holidays just a little bit merrier. So if you want to volunteer, uh, sign up on the website or come see me after the service. We would love to see you out there with us. Uh, another announcement, um, offering. We still need offering in the bowls, those wooden bowls by the doors. Um, we do rely on y'all's generosity. Um, so we would love to have some of y'all's offering. We're pretty blunt here. Um, <laughs> our scripture today comes from the prophet Amos. Chapter five, verses 18 through 24. Hear now God's word for us today. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light. As if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your festivals and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offering of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The word of God to us, the people of God, thanks be to God. So I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I'd bet that the prophet Amos would not be a fan of how early in the season some radio stations start playing Christmas music. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be a fan of music at all. 
And so this is the scripture that we read as we continue a sermon series about hymns, about those songs that hold us tight in times of trouble, that ground us when the world is falling down, that take us back to that moment that you knew you were made by a God who loves you more than you can imagine. Today's hymn is a favorite of mine. O come all ye faithful. Originally written in the 18th century, the same way I sang it in high school Latin class, Adeste Fidelis. But the prophet Amos, speaking on God's behalf, didn't like songs, or at least it appears that way. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. It's difficult to hear tone in an ancient text, but Amos is mad. He's furious. He's throwing a tantrum, sounding like a kindergartner who, when they don't like what's for dinner, take away from me this casserole. I will not consume this salad in front of me. (laughs) Yet unlike the picky eater's outburst that parents are used to, Amos has a substantial reason to be upset. Amos was a prophet around 750 BCE, eight centuries before Jesus would be born. And although our our modern understanding of the role of prophet has much to do with seeing the future, with predicting what will happen, ancient prophets like Amos were really concerned with what was going on right in front of them. They had a divine role in governments to speak truth to power. King David had the prophet Nathan. King Josiah had Isaiah. And Amos prophesied in the northern kingdom of Israel, which was ruled at the time by King Jeroboam II. And the reign of Jeroboam II was known to be the most prosperous time Israel had ever seen. An economy built on trade and agriculture had built up the national wealth and prominence. But see, greed had become their God. Exploitation of the land and people had left the richest in Israel seated quite comfortably, increasing their personal wealth and done so on the backs of the poor, the alien, the widows and the orphans. The poor, the alien, the widows, and the orphans. These groups of people just happened to be about every single group that God had specifically commanded for the Jewish people to care for. And yes, Amos is negative. He's judgmental. If you read all nine chapters of the book, he doesn't have much good to say about Israel or any of its neighbors for that matter. And it might make Amos a bad guest at a dinner party but it doesn't make him wrong. I worked with a girl in college at University Recreation and during our annual training, we were going through the human resources handbook on how to give feedback. And this three ring binders advice was that when negative feedback is needed, we should use a compliment sandwich. Meaning that you start with a compliment. You're doing really good work. And then you say something negative but you're showing up late. And then you say something more complimentary, and I like your shoes. (laughs) That way the, the negative thing is sandwiched between good things. My friend Hayden looked at me and said, don't you ever try to pull that on me. Tell me like it is. 
Amos is telling Israel like it is, telling them that God doesn't want beautiful melodies when they're stained with blood, that God cares more about justice for the oppressed than our self-indulgent festivals for the rich. Amos is proclaiming God's judgment on the guilty. And I think we've all experienced times of guilt where judgment against us was righteous and warranted. Mr. Horn filled the role of Amos for me one day in high school. His son Spencer and I were good friends and filling time as any teenage boys might do on a Saturday in January, driving around the neighborhood, picking up discarded Christmas trees set out on the road. And the Horns' big Christmas present to themselves that year was this brand new outdoor fireplace and chimney. It was custom built, hand-done masonry. It was beautiful. And our bright idea was to see how many Christmas trees we could fit in that chimney. We were pushing trees in from the bottom. My friend Drew scaled the chimney and we were shoving trees in from the top. It was gonna be awesome. And so the boys, all of us stood a few feet away like the fools we were and we tossed in a match. And what we thought would be a calm burning fire erupted into an explosion of flames. It erupted out over the mantle, 10 feet high above the chimney. It was charring the stone and the bushes around it. It was bad. A few seconds later, Mr. Horn stormed outside and a few expletives were said. And he said, get over here. It was time to face our judgment. Our punishment after a few solid minutes of verbal abuse entailed hours of hand scrubbing the char marks off the stonework. Somewhere between the second and third hour of cleaning, we all agreed to never do that again. And God in this text, like Mr. Horn, is angry because Israel has broken its covenant. The promise made on Mount Sinai many years before, the covenant had two pieces. The correct worship of Yahweh, the God of Israel, and the just treatment of one another. Simply put, the love of God and the love of neighbor, and Israel was failing miserably on both. And now they must face God's judgment. And when thinking about the season that we're in with Christmas in the air, judgment isn't a term that usually comes to mind. How many Christmas songs pop on the radio are about judgment? Christmas is a season of joy, right? Christ's birth to us as imperfect people, God's declaration that I love creation so much that I wanna walk among it, live with it, and eventually die for it, that is the greatest news we will ever receive. But that's Christmas, and we're in Advent. Imagine that Christmas is like a feast, it's a party. Everyone is coming over to celebrate the good news of Christ being born to us. It's a good time. But Advent, Advent is the season of cleaning up the house to get ready wiping down the baseboards, going through piles of paper, putting away those clothes you folded weeks ago. Advent, Advent is the season of looking around at all the junk we have collected over the last year and with a bit of judgment, asking ourselves, 
how did we get here? How did we get to this point of violence? How did we get to this point of hatred? How did we get to a point that feels so distant from the reality that God desires of us? And how do we transform our reality to realign with God's? It might seem strange to preach about judgment from Amos during Advent. But we must remember that the story of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas is a story that has been building for centuries. Since the beginning of time, it is a story of God choosing to be close to God's people. God, our eternal and cosmic parent who loves us so much that he wants to be close to us. And as we all know, when parents come close, sometimes it is out of love and grace and sometimes it is out of judgment. One cannot live without the other. And there might be some squirming in your seats right now. Judgment and introspection are not comfortable, but they are necessary. I mean, imagine being in the audience at the temple in Samaria as Amos preached out, I hate, I despise your festivals. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. But accountability is needed. It was needed for them and it is needed for us, not for the goal of guilt, but for the hope of transformation. For the hope of preparing us, our hearts and our minds to meet Christ and giving us eyes to see and ears to hear his radical message. But it's funny, as I was writing this sermon, I feel like as Christians, we either pick one or the other. We pick either grace or we pick judgment. I mean, entire churches build their brands on one or the other. Maybe you've been to a church where all they talk about is judgment. Every Sunday, it's a sermon on God's judgment and how bad we all are. And what you get then is an an entirely vengeful God, unable to forgive, unable to love, distant and cruel. Or maybe each Sunday, it's all about grace. It's all about forgiveness. And the issue with that is that it creates a God who doesn't care what we do to each other, to the poor. It is a God who gives freely what Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace, grace that lacks accountability, that lacks discipleship and growth. Or maybe you grew up learning that the Old Testament God, he's mean. He's angry. And then in the New Testament, Jesus shows up and he's kind and forgives everybody. Either way, these classifications of God fail because we try to oversimplify an entirely complicated God. Rather, Scripture presents us with a God who is both full of grace and full of judgment. And having faith in God, truly living into the song for today, O come all ye faithful, means showing up for both, judgment and grace. Last week, Pastor Don preached on the hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel. It's a song where we cry out for God's movement towards us. And this week, O Come, All Ye Faithful, is a response. It's centered on our movement towards God. 
our decision to show up, to adore, and to meet our newborn king. And we cannot only show up to one part of God. We cannot only show up to the God who makes us comfortable. We are called to show up when scripture says, I hate, I despise your festivals. And then a few chapters later, when God promises forgiveness saying, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. We are called to show up to John the Baptist when he welcomes all to be baptized by the river Jordan, but also calls the Pharisees and Sadducees a brood of vipers. We are called to show up to Jesus who said, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. And later walks into a temple and flips tables and curses money changers saying, my house is one of prayer and you made it a den of robbers. We are called to show up to Mr. Horn who chewed us out good, but who still led us back to his house the next weekend. Oh, come all ye faithful. We come for the judgment, but we stay for the grace. And for the sake of God's righteousness and justice, we need both. Amen.
Pray with me. Lord, we give thanks that you come near to us. You come with words of truth that fall on our ears with justice. There are actions we have done that we must admit and ask for your forgiveness. There are actions we have not done that you are waiting for us to do. The promise of Advent is that you come to us, O Lord. You come and make this world new. You come into our deep despair, to the hospital bed with beeping machines and terrified parents. And you come to the lonely and you take our hands in yours. You come to those who are grieving the loss of a loved one or the loss of a life that you imagined for yourself and you fill in around us and you call us to stand up and to lift our gaze and to watch as our Redeemer comes and saves us. We ask, O oh Lord, this day that you would save us even from ourselves. And hear us now as we pray the words that our Savior taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us stand now and affirm what we believe. What do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
Friends, we are called to show up, to show up to the good, to the bad, to show up to one another, and to show up to God. Let us see what might happen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Friends, go in peace. Hallelujah. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.